You are listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We believe that Jesus came to set you free and nothing can cancel the truth of God's word. Now here's your host, the youth pastor of Impact Youth at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut, Pastor Joey Santora. What is going on, Uncanceled? How are you guys doing? Thank you so much for tuning in. I am back and I am ready to go. I took last week off, not because I wanted to, but because I was actually away because my wife was doing an awesome job preaching at North Point Bible College. Uh, We are back. And no, we will not be rating exercises this week. No, I'm really sorry about that decision. Uh, it was it was a desperate attempt uh, to try and make working out cool, um, <laughs> and it just didn't work out. Working it just out is cool. Uh, I'll be going to the gym after this, actually. Yeah, you so will. Uh, he's going to be doing the workout that I wrote for him. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not going to be ranking which one was like my favorite. Actually, I might. Uh, but it is time to rate, rate that. that. Foreign snack. Yeah, we got it that Here time. We go. Let's go. Here we go. What do we got today, Reg? All right. So uh, this is a newer one that's been added to the pot. This is a Cadbury Wonder Bar. All right. All and right. Uh, we were pretty sure. Well, no, we know it's from uh, Canada. Canada. Yeah. One of the Couldn't. French Canadian parts of Canada. Yeah. Uh I'll just be honest with you guys. We saw it and we wanted to try it. So no, we didn't get the box out and like fool around with it and like pull something out. So, um, yeah, I'm interested about this one. I I know what Cadbury like, like, uh, snacks taste like typically. So, and they're usually pretty good. Like the chocolate is pretty good. Uh, the chocolate like is actually pretty airy in, in Cadbury stuff. Right. Like, Like at least from what I remember, um, I'm excited for this man. Just trying to be careful. So I don't destroy it. It's okay. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Oh, but he has come to give us life and life more abundantly. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> that that was like uh, I was like your little uh, pre pre podcast right there. All right, this looks really interesting. Is there like Rice Krispies in this or something? Okay, yeah. So it says on the packaging a peanut butter caramel experience. <laughs> and Reminds me of Aaron Rodgers thing. And then that it we... says the same thing in French. So, a peanut butter caramel experience. What? Sounds like Aaron Rodgers' thing with like the, with like he, he had a magical experience with right. the ancestors or whatever. If you know, you know, you'll have to look it up online. All right. Um, all right, let's bro. Let's, there's no way this is going to be bad. There's no way. I, I'm like worried that this is going to be a lot to chew. So, okay, bear with us. Oh, wow. It's not too much to chew. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. 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 That's simply wonderful. Wow. Wow, that's really good. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. It does taste like something I've had before. Well... You know, the, the flavors of peanut butter and chocolate and caramel aren't, you know, foreign to the United States. No, no. We have those. No. I'm just saying it tastes like... Um, but it's weird. Really it, it tastes like maybe a whatchamacallit. I, I don't know. I'm trying to... That's oh, a candy yeah. bar, by the way. I haven't had that in a long time, um, but I think you might be right there. Wow. Really good, though. Wow. The texture is really great. Wow. There's a little bit of crunch in there. Just a little. Wow. Bit. All right. <laughs> wow. 
There's nothing about that experience that I didn't enjoy. Yeah, I, I agree. Wow. The peanut butter flavor was good. The caramel wasn't like, like it's not super stuck in my teeth. No, I love that. Yeah. Um, and oh. it wasn't like overpowering. Chocolate was good. The chocolate was that airiness that we kind of talked yeah. about, like where it wasn't super dense. If you're more of a dense chocolate person, like if you like more of a Snickers where like you bite through the chocolate, maybe you wouldn't like it as much. But yeah, it's, it's a little less Snickersy. Oh, yeah, def yeah, definitely. Like the chocolate on the outside is like not as, but like texturally and flavor wise, like there is nothing to not like about this. It is 100% the way that it's advertised. It's a chocolate caramel experience or, or peanut butter caramel experience. <laughs> I would say so. I mean, there's kind of nothing wrong with it. There's nothing. Oh, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. I'm like, I'm blown away. Like my mouth is doing dances right now. It's like <laughs> doing backflips in my mouth. My okay. tongue is like, just like curling in, in, in victory and honor. <laughs> and and it's just like, when I get to heaven, <laughs> wow. I hope that I can eat this candy bar over and over again yeah. and not get sick and not get fat. Amen. Because that was great, man. It was really good. Well, I if, think, if My goodness. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Ben. Sorry. There's nothing wrong with it. So how can you not give it a 10? Yeah. I mean, like even like the name. Yes, it is a wonder bar. It's a wonderful bar. Wait, look at the way wonder is spelled with you. It's more like wunder. Oh. Wunderbar. <laughs> Wunderbar. And so I actually thought that it was, and this actually makes sense. I thought it was from like Finland or like Norway or Sweden because it has a Viking over the B. You'll see it they, on the photo of they the bar. Sell, they sell this candy bar in Germany. It's it's very popular. So um, there you go. Dude, I, I'm blown away and I'm amazed by this. And I know that this is maybe going a little bit longer than it normally does. <laughs> but it's really good. This is really, 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 really good. How many calories is it for the whole bar? 300. Woo! No 300. Well, sneaky five grams of protein. Oh, Get it in there. man. It is, not, it is not healthy. But I'll tell you, if I had two oh, mini Snickers, not. wouldn't that add to about 300? Two mini Snickers? Yeah, One like Snickers the fun size is, ones. Oh, I don't know. A regular Snickers is 220 calories. Mm. You like how I know that? Yeah, I, I do like right. how you know that. Um, pretty sure I'm right. It was really good. I, I've banged this mic like twice. It was really good. If you can get your hands on a Wonder this, Bar. This was uh, purchased at 203 Exotics. In, oh, yeah. In, plugged in the 203 Mall. Exotics. I actually, I've talked to them a little bit about our podcast. Uh, and I kind of, they actually told me if I send them our podcast that they'll promote it. But they don't know that we like talk about the Bible too yet. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't really know if they actually would promote it. If Maybe they, they will. About the Bible. But who knows? We'll have to check it out. But great. go to 203 Exotics at the Danbury Mall uh, in Danbury, Connecticut. Awesome. Um, if you're from Belgium, sorry. Uh, but uh, <laughs> hey, know, maybe hop, you can get some cool stuff there. Hop over to Germany if you're from Belgium. Yeah, yeah. Just just, just a little quick little <laughs> sneaky little drive, you know. Uh, really but, um, you, you're a 10? Oh, I'm a 10. 100%. Yeah. I mean, there's really, I don't even think I even needed to say that. Probably not. Like, there's no debate. Really no good. Debate. Amen. Amen. Um, I was told by one of my uh, students that my, my podcast are like, your podcast is so up and down. Like one minute you're like joking around and just like, like clowning about something. And then all of a sudden you just get really uh, serious. Uh, I'll give a shout out to her. Actually, she watches every single week. Uh, Gabby Oliveira. Gabby is 
one of our awesome students. She is only a freshman, but uh, she has the call of God on her life. God's going to use her life in a wonderful way. Uh, she actually, it's her birthday next Wednesday, and I'm going to, she's having like this birthday party Saturday. Uh, she's Brazilian, so she's having it at a Brazilian restaurant, and it's going to be fire. I can't wait. I'm going to down some bigonia. I'm going to down some uh, rice, some beans. Uh, I'm actually learning Portuguese uh, in case my podcast, Fem Faithful podcast watchers and YouTube channel people are wondering. Yes, I am learning Portuguese right now. Um, uh, tudo bem? Uh, that, that, we'll stop there. I, I won't keep on going. I won't keep on going. Anyway. I'm so happy that you guys decided to tune in. It is an honor and a privilege to be back on the podcast. I love this thing, man. I love uh, teaching the word of God. Something that's uh, commonly debated in the Christian world and usually frowned upon by, I would say, the majority of Christians, frown upon the use of the word prosperity. Prosperity. Maybe you've heard that word before. Maybe you haven't heard that word If you've heard the word, you've probably heard about it in a couple of different ways. You've probably heard about it like prosperity is a bad thing or that you've heard prosperity is a good thing. Or maybe if you're not familiar with the church word, you just think of the word prosperity as, um, as wealth and as something that that's fine, you know, but there's debate over prosperity in the uh, Christian world. And it's as if it's, I kind of see it like this. There's two ends of the spectrum. There's people that believe that God does not will for his people to prosper and that uh, money is uh, completely evil and that Christians have no business having money. Then there's the other end of the spectrum of people that say, you know, if, if you don't, you know, if you don't have, you know, uh, the nicest things in the world and you don't have, you know, the best watch and the best clothes and everything, then you're actually not living right because, you know, God wants his children to prosper and you should be doing better for yourself. So there, there's kind of two schools of thought when it, when it comes to prosperity and, uh, or two ends of the spectrum that people seem to go on. But I, I almost find it that biblical prosperity is, biblical prosperity is neither one of those things, but I will say it probably leans more towards the uh, second thing that I said. Uh, Some people view prosperity. They say, you know, well, I believe that God provides for his children, uh, but, you know, I just don't think that God provides abundantly for his children. Uh, I believe that God, you know, will provide all of our needs, but sometimes God might want us to struggle, some might say. But I'm here to tell you today that there is something called kingdom prosperity, biblical kingdom prosperity. And that's what I want to minister to you about right now and teach about right now is what is biblical prosperity? What is kingdom prosperity? How does God view prosperity? What does the Bible teach about money and being rich and all of those things? You know, is it wrong for a Christian to be rich? Should I, is it okay for me to desire to, you know, uh, have my needs provided for abundantly. All of those different questions that, that people have. And a very commonly quoted scripture, and forgive me, I don't actually have the reference right now. You can look it up and find it uh, pretty easily. But it says, the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Jesus also says you cannot serve two masters. You cannot uh, serve both God and money. And so people will often quote those scriptures and say, you know, 
you can't serve God and money. And you know, you can't uh, love, you can't, you know, love money. Your money is the root of all evil. And they'll say money is the root of all evil. Money is the root of all evil. And what they're actually failing to realize is that while money is in fact the root of, or the love of money is the root of all evil, it's not simply just money is the root of all evil. It is not simply just that statement. People stop right there. They say money is the root of all evil. When in fact, the scripture says that the love of money is the root of all evil, not money being the root of all evil. So let's see what the Bible actually says concerning prosperity. I already shared a little bit of you, but keep that in the back of your mind that money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. What's the difference you might think? Well, if I love money, that means that my heart is fully devoted to it. My heart is fully devoted to it. I love money. That is what I'm seeking after. That is what I want. That is uh, where my heart is devoted to. But having money is not evil. Having money in itself is not evil. Here's how I know having money in itself is not evil. Having money in itself is not evil because Abraham in the Bible had a lot of money. Because Solomon in the Bible had a lot of money. Well, you know, that doesn't mean that it's okay. Well, let's look at Solomon. The Bible actually says that God asked Solomon, said to Solomon, you know, what do you, what do you desire? What do you want? Ask me whatever you want. And Solomon says, you know, I actually would like wisdom and knowledge to lead your people, Lord. And you know what God says to Solomon? He says, because you have not asked for money, possessions, all of these other worldly things, because you have not asked for those things, but you've desired wisdom and knowledge to lead my people. I'm going to give you wisdom and knowledge, but guess what? I'm also going to bless you with money, with possessions. I'm going to bless you with all of those other things as well. And so what people actually don't realize, if having money and having possessions in itself is evil, then that means that Solomon was in sin. And that means furthermore, that God was doing something wrong by giving Solomon the possessions. Why would God give something evil to someone? Why would God give something sinful to someone? If we think that money in itself is just evil, like right there, money is evil, then we have to acknowledge that God gave Solomon something that is evil. But that's the thing. God is not, God's not a, a sinner. You know, God is a holy God. God holds himself accountable to his word. God is the standard of the word. God is holiness. God is righteousness. And so it, it, if God is giving something to someone, then we must know that it is not evil to have that thing. If you're wondering where that reference is of the story of Solomon asking for, um, it, it should be uh, in, um, it should probably be in, First or second Kings would probably be the reference of that. I actually don't know off the top of my head. Forgive me for not having that written down. I actually didn't prepare to say that, but it just popped into my spirit. Um, but that is, uh, you can look up just in the Bible, uh, Solomon asked God for wisdom. You can look that up and you'll find the reference uh, in the word of God. And I encourage you to do so because I don't want you to just take my word for it. I want you to actually search the word of God and find it for yourself. Uh, but it, God gave Solomon possessions. God gave him money. God advanced him. God prospered him. And if God prospered him and God gave him money, 
then we know that money can't be evil because God is not evil. There are other people in the Bible as well. David was very rich. David had a lot of money. Uh, um, Joseph became in charge of, of the, or second in command in the entire land. Isaac had a lot of money. So we know that money in itself is not evil, but loving money is evil. Why is loving money evil? You know what? I actually want to, I want to pull up that, uh, that scripture, scripture. The love of money is the root of all evil. That's why I have my laptop up here. Amen. First Timothy 610 is where you can find it. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager, eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. See, why is the love of money the root of all evil, the root of all kinds of evil? Because you'll do anything to get it. If your heart is devoted to money and your heart is not devoted to God, that's a problem. When our heart is devoted to money and the, and the love of money, we're saying we love money with everything that we have, then we'll do anything and everything to get it. That's the problem with the love of money. So I want to read this Bible story to you in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. If you turn there in your Bibles as I turn there. I want to read to you beginning in verse 17. Oh, forgive me. It's not Luke chapter 10. It's Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Jesus is going to be um, talking here uh, to a rich man. And we're going to see what kingdom prosperity really entails. Because I think that there is um, a misconception on what the message of prosperity really is. I believe that people have been told, you know, the message of prosperity is that it's all about money, that serving God is all about money. And, you know, it's not about the gospel. It's not about Jesus dying on the cross. When in reality, when people preach prosperity biblically, it actually is not any of those things. It's actually founded and rooted in the Bible. It's actually founded and rooted. You're, you're going to be shocked to hear this maybe, uh, but biblical prosperity actually begins with Stripping of oneself in some ways and denying of oneself. And I'll show you exactly what I mean by that. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. It says, as Jesus was starting on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What a great question. Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Watch this. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told them. He told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God? This amazed them. But Jesus said, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle for, than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Most people will stop reading the scripture right there. And that's where they stop. Well, there it is right there, brother. 
you know, God want, doesn't want you to be rich. He clearly, it says here that it's hard, it's easier for a rich man uh, or easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to go to heaven. And Jesus told the rich man to sell all of his possessions. So this shows us that God wants us to be poor. This shows us that God doesn't want us to have any money. But, and, and you know, people that, that, uh, that believe this, they'll often scream about context. When people talk about prosperity, they'll yell, oh, you're not looking at the context, brother. You're not looking at, you're not uh, exegeting the word of God properly if you believe in prosperity. And they'll stop right there in the scripture. Right there. There it is. God doesn't want anybody to be rich. There it is. God doesn't want anyone to have extra money. God doesn't want any rich people. Well, look at what it says in verse 26 if we keep reading for context. The disciples were astounded. Then who in this world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Then Peter began to speak up. We've given everything to follow you, he said. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Jesus says, talks about how hard it is for a rich person to get into the kingdom of God. But then he says, at the end, anybody that gives house, brother, sister, property, children, for my sake, anybody that gives that up will receive now. 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 What does the word now mean? Now. Now. <laughs> Now, in return, a hundred times as many brothers, sisters, mothers, bro uh, children, and property. Wow. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And it does say along with persecution, because there is persecution for following Jesus. People might not like you. People might come against you. People might oppose you. But Jesus says that after he talks about being rich. Why would Jesus say that they'll receive a hundred times as many properties, as many houses in this life? Now, why would Jesus say that? After he just said, it's, hard, it's uh, harder for a rich man to get into heaven than it is for a camel to go through an eye of the needle. Well, here's what I know from an exegetical standpoint. What is, exege what is exegesis? Exegesis is they study of the word of God or the interpretation of the word of God. Um, it is when you take a passage and you properly apply the meaning. If we know anything from studying the word of God, one of the key principles of hermeneutics, which is hermeneutics is interpreting, interpreting scripture and of exegesis is that we know that in order to interpret scripture, we need to look at other scripture. So first let's start with this. God made Solomon rich. There's no and if or but about it. It says that God said that he was going to give these things to Solomon. If God made Solomon rich, like I told you before, if God made Solomon rich, then we know for a fact that it is not wrong for somebody to be rich. So we already have that understanding going into this text using scripture to interpret other scripture. But let's look at this. The first step to kingdom prosperity. Ready? Give up. 
Hmm. What does that mean? Give up. Make a decision that money and possessions mean nothing to you and that you could do without them. Look at what Jesus says to the man. He says, there's still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Hmm. Wow. Jesus says, give it up. Give up everything that you have. Why? What was Jesus driving at? What was the point of what Jesus was saying right here? The point that Jesus was trying to make was simply this. His point was that your money has your heart. Your money has your heart. You cannot love money. You cannot serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. Where am I getting that idea from? I just told you. I'm using scripture to interpret other scripture. Scripture says you cannot serve two masters. You cannot love both God and money. The the scripture says in 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all evil. This man had many possessions. And it's very clear by his reaction. His face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. This man was not willing to give up. Kingdom prosperity begins when you decide that you're going to give up. You're going to give up. You're going to say, God, my money is yours. God, my money is not my own. God, I don't need to, God, I want to use my money to further your kingdom because guess what? My finances, God, I give them into your hands. I give up my finances and I make them your finances. That means when God asks you to give, that you give. That means when God tells you to do something, that you do it. That means when God tells you to go and give to that person, that you go and you give to that person. Why? Because it's not your money anymore. You've given that up. And you said, God, although I have a choice here, I give my finances to you. Giving up. It begins with there. God, my heart's not with my finances People are often critical of quote-unquote prosperity preachers is the terminology that they'll often use in a derogatory way. Um, uh, A very good friend of my family's, his name is uh, Jesse DePlanis. He is a great man of God and an evangelist. Uh, In fact, he actually came to my wedding. And I'm very friendly with him and I've learned a lot from him. And I was having a conversation with him one time and we were talking about prosperity. And he said, you know, I didn't always have money. And he said, and he's very wealthy now, praise the Lord. But, you know, I didn't always have money. Didn't grow up with money. Didn't grow up, uh, you know, like with all this money around me. I grew up very poor. In fact, when I was 13 years old, I worked in a factory and I, I, I was a great worker. He said, I worked very hard. But as I got older, I, I got saved and I gave my life to Christ. And he said that he Uh, the Lord asked him twice early in his ministry to empty out his bank account. Wow. To empty out his bank account. Think about that. Everything that he had, every penny to his name, God said, you're emptying it out. Empty it out. How many people that mock prosperity would do that? Huh? Seriously, think about that. How many people that mock prosperity would willingly empty their account? They might say that they do it, but when the rubber met the road, I doubt that they'd actually do it. Why? Because I've found that people that are against the message of prosperity are actually more worried about money than people that are for the message of prosperity. Why? Because people that understand kingdom prosperity, that understand biblical prosperity, they understand that they're supposed to start by giving up giving up their money to God, giving their money to God. Money doesn't have their heart. Money means nothing to people. 
that understand kingdom prosperity. They have a lot of it, but the reason they have a lot of it is because they've given it to God because they've said, God, it doesn't mean anything to me. So Jesse Duplantis, he empties out his bank account twice. The second time he empties out his bank account, he says to the Lord, Lord, am I going to have to do that again? Like, God, this is hard. Like, let's be real. It is hard to empty out your bank account. He says, God, this is hard. Am I going to have to do this again? And you know what God says to him? God says, no, Jesse, because I know where your heart is now. I know that you don't love money more than you love me. You've proven to me that you don't love money more than you love me. That's powerful. That's powerful. And, and Jesse Duplantis went on. He went on to uh, now being a very successful evangelist, not just financially, but seeing uh, many, many people come to know Jesus Christ, sharing the message of prosperity. And it didn't start that way. But guess what? He showed God that money didn't have his heart and he didn't show God that money didn't have his heart so he could get money. He simply just said, God, I'm willing to give up for your kingdom. And then the next thing we have to do is we have to give in. We have to give in. We give up our money for the kingdom and then we give our money into the kingdom. Mm. We give in, we give our money into the kingdom. Because we say, guess what? Again, although I just used the word your money, it's you realize once you give up your money for the kingdom that it's no longer your money. It's no longer what you want to do with it. You know, when, when me and Brianna bought our house, we, we bought our house and, and we said, God, this house is yours. We went around, we anointed the house with oil. When God asked us to have people over to our house, when God asked us to use our house to, to uh, have people over and welcome them and, and such, we do it. But guess what? In return, we know that God will always take care of our house because we've given it, we've given it to him. We've given up our house to him. We've given in for the kingdom of God. We need to give in for the kingdom of God. We have to decide to completely give into what God has for our lives. Prioritize your money for the kingdom of God is basically what I'm trying to say right now. Prioritize your money for the kingdom of God. The disciples said in verse 28, Mark chapter 10, verse 28, then Peter began to speak up. We've given everything to follow you, he said. There it is. They gave up and they gave in. They've given everything to follow Jesus. Are you willing to give in for the kingdom of God? Are you willing to say, Jesus, whatever you want me to do with, with my money, I'll do. When God asks you to give $500 to somebody and you're not sure if you should do it or not, God wants to know where your heart is at. Uh, one time recently, um, the Lord uh, spoke to me and said, I want you to empty out. Uh, this is the second time that this has happened, actually. I, I, just, I just remember this. Second time this has happened, the Lord asked me to empty out my savings account. He asked me to do this twice in my life. And, uh, and, the, and Jesse Duplantis' testimony encouraged me in this to know that I, I can do this and that I, I can believe God. Uh, but I emptied out my savings account and I asked God to do, I, I asked, or I, or I said to God, God, I'm going to do it if this is really what you have for me. I want you guys to, to, to hear me on this real quick. I don't know why this just came into my spirit. If you think God is asking you to do something and it's good, the thing that you're going to do, like giving money to, to, a, to like a, a minister of the gospel is a good thing to do. There is nothing wrong with just proceeding with it. Because even if 
you think that you might be hearing wrong, showing God that even God, I'm willing to take a chance and do it. God will see that faithfulness and it'll be like, wow, they were just willing to do it. They were just willing to step out in faith and do it. Because I'll tell you what, the devil is not going to tell you to go give money to a ministry that's winning souls. The devil is not going to tell you to give money to somebody in need. The devil's not going to have you do that. If you think God is telling you to do something and it is a good thing to do, why not step out and do it? And guess what? If you find out later that maybe it wasn't something that God wanted you to do, it's a learning experience. But at least you weren't afraid to obey. At least God saw your heart to, to, to desire to obey him. And that's a heart that God can use. We have to be willing to give in to the kingdom of God. Biblical prosperity starts with giving up, but then it proceeds by giving in. We give up. We say, God, I'm willing to give my money up to you. But then it's giving in to say, guess what? Just like Jesus said to this man, sell all your possessions. Are you willing to give in? Give in. God, I'm giving in. I'm giving in. I'm going to do whatever you ask me to do with my money. God, I'm going to tithe. Tithing is not optional. It's something that's a command from the word of God. But God, I'm going to tithe to your kingdom. Some people, people that don't believe in prosperity, it's becoming more popular to not believe in tithing. Oh, you know, I just don't think that, you know, that's quite the burden that God would put on individuals to, you know, ask for 10% of our income. You know, the bills are just a lot right now and stuff. Oh, that's interesting. It's so funny to me. Again, I'm going to say this. It's so funny to me that people that don't believe in prosperity and people that have a problem with prosperity, they always seem to be the most concerned about money. They're so concerned about money all the time. I'm going to get into this a little bit later and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. But in Matthew 6.33, in that passage, um, it says that... that um, uh, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink. Those thoughts dominate the minds of pagans. In other words, don't worry about the things that you're going to eat or don't worry about your provision because God will provide for you. But then it says, oh, this is so powerful. I'm going to go there right now. Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter six, this just came into my spirit right now. Matthew chapter six, this is powerful. It says, that is why I tell you, Matthew 6, 25, not to worry about everyday life, whether you'll have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't, it more, is, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store foods, uh, food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't, your, uh, aren't you far more valuable to him than, uh, than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Excuse me, sorry. Look at what it said in verse 26. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. Some translations say they don't sow nor reap. Mm, this is going to get good right here. I felt this come into my spirit. It's after Jesus says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. After Jesus says that, he then says, look at the birds. They don't sow nor reap, yet your heavenly father feeds them. In other words, you we, uh, they don't sow nor reap. But guess what? God calls us to sow. Uh, God calls us to sow. And guess what? We sow and we reap because of that. We sow, and guess what? When we put it out there, we don't. Uh, uh, birds don't even sow or reap, but guess what? We do sow, and therefore, because we sow, our Heavenly Father will take care of us. That's powerful right there if you'll get that. 
This just kid that came into my spirit. I remember uh, hearing a teaching on that. It's not original from me. I heard somebody teach about that. But understand that right after Jesus says not to worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or any of those things, he says, look at the birds. They don't even sow or reap, and God still takes care of them. Imagine what God will do for somebody that does so. Imagine what God might do for that person. Amen. Amen. That's a powerful passage of scripture. I'm going to get into a a passage that comes later in that in a second. But give in for the kingdom of God. uh, Look at what uh, Luke chapter 8 verse 1 through 3 says. Some people don't believe that it's it's biblical to uh, sow in other ministries. They're kind of like, you know, I just don't really think it's, you know, biblical necessarily to do that, to give into other ministries and to support evangelists. You know, I just think that that money can be given to the poor. You know what it says in Luke chapter eight? It says in Luke chapter eight, verse three, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business uh, manager, Susanna, and many others were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Well, if giving into ministries is not biblical or giving into ministries is not right or is wrong or we shouldn't be doing it, then I guess Jesus was doing something very, very wrong by allowing these women to give into his ministry. Give into the kingdom of God. Put your money where your mouth is. Literally, your mouth says you proclaim Christ with your mouth. If you can proclaim Christ with your mouth, then we should be uh, then we should be backing it up with where our money is going. Give up for the kingdom of God. Give up for the kingdom of God. Give into the kingdom of God. My last point. <coughs> when you give up and you give in, you get back and go up. You get back and go up. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, I got to turn back there myself. Jesus says this. He says, I assure that that everyone who has given up house or brother or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and property along with persecution. Wow. Jesus says in return, so you're going to get it back, but then you're going to get a hundred times as much. You'll get back and you'll go up, but it starts with being willing to trust God and have enough faith to say, God, I'm going to give up. God, I'm going to give in. But when we do those things, we get back and we go up. We increase. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, at the end of that passage I just read, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and everything else will be added on to you. All those other things that, that we just talked about, not worrying about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear, all of those things will be taken care of for you if you would just simply seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. Understand that prosperity, kingdom prosperity is twofold. First, yes, God does love his kids and he loves to bless his children. God is a good father that wants to take care of his kids. Yes, God wants you to be blessed, but... It's also for the kingdom of God. That is the bigger reason of prosperity. When you have funds, you're able to give funds. You know, Reinhard Bonnke was a great evangelist that won millions to the Lord. 
You think that it was free? It was just for free that he held those crusades. He rented out all that land. They just gave it to him for free. And you know, he got this big tent and he got all those resources for free. No, he needed money to be able to do that. But guess what? God used people to be able to sponsor that. How were those people able to sponsor it? Because they had money. Money advances the kingdom of God. It is not about you. Yes, God wants to God wants to bless you. Yes, God wants you to be able to live in a house. Yes, God wants you to be able to own property and land. Anytime, in fact, anytime God ever made a covenant in the Old Testament, there was land involved. You could study that and look into it. But, uh, uh, but understand that it's not just about you, that that's not even the main person, purpose of prosperity. Prosperity points people to Jesus. When people see how come all of your needs are provided for, how come you're living in abundance? You could say, because my heavenly father takes care of me and you could serve him too. Obviously prosperity is not the center of the gospel. The center of the gospel is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us and rose again for us. That is the gospel that Jesus bore, uh, uh, took our sin upon him. That is the core of the gospel message. But prosperity will point people to that gospel of Jesus Christ took your sin on the cross. Prosperity points people to Jesus and can have them be forgiven of their sins and repent of their sin. God loves his kids, but it is for the kingdom. Kingdom prosperity. First it goes, you give up, give it up. You give in, but then you get back and go up. God wants to do that in your life today, but will your heart be fully devoted to him? Will you show God, God, I don't care about money. I just care about what you want for my life. God, I care about what you've instructed me to do. That's the message of prosperity. I hope that that blessed you today. I hope that you know today that Jesus came to set you free from poverty. Jesus doesn't want you living in poverty. He wants you living in prosperity and you can live in prosperity today. You can live in prosperity today. Prosperity is really a kingdom focused theology. It is not a uh, people focused uh, theology. It's not about us as much as it is about the kingdom of God. If you heard this message today and you said to yourself, man, I didn't realize that God wanted me to prosper. I didn't realize that that's how good God is. I want you to know this, that he is that good. And he's so good, even more so that he came and that he uh, came down from heaven, that he lived a perfect life. And then he took your sin on the cross. He was hung on a cross. He bore the sins of the world. He bore your sin. He was buried in the ground and rose again so that he could have a relationship with you. Today, if you decide to repent of your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can have new life today. And so if that's you and you want to do that today, I want you to repeat this prayer after me right now. You can get right with God right now and be confident of where you'll spend eternity. Repeat this prayer with me. Say this, say, dear Jesus, today, I give you my life. I repent of my sin. I put my faith in you. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you are Lord and that you rose again. I want a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, I want to pray for the rest of you that are watching. 
I want to pray that God would increase your life, that as you put these kingdom principles into practice, that you would see the fruit of it, just like the word of God says. Father, I thank you that you're watching over your word, waiting to perform it. Thank you, Father, that as people are willing to give up and give in for your kingdom, that, Father, that you'll give back and cause them to go up. Father, that we're going to see money come into the kingdom of God so that we can further advance the gospel in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, that people are going to see increase in their life. Father, I pray that people would give today, that they would find a ministry that they want to give into, Father, and that they would sow faithfully, Father, that they would see their lives increase because of it, but, Father, that they would also be able to give more to the kingdom of God because of it. Supply seed to the sower, just like your word says, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We love you guys, and we can't wait to see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We hope you were blessed and encouraged by the teaching today. If you are between the grades of 5th through 12th grade, make sure to check us out in person at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut, every Wednesday night from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Be sure to tune in next week for another weekly podcast from Uncanceled. God bless.